talked about Giannis. He deserved it. All right, it doesn't matter what market he's in. We talked about Donovan Mitchell. Stephen A. Smith with the tagline for Round Ball Roundup. On the previous 100 episodes, we talked about Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, and he might have birthed a new bit here on RR. I'm JP Chunga. We're talking to Trent Forrest on the Vegas Summer League podcast. Yes, we got the standout. One of them, at least, is him, Doak, Jarrell Brantley, Elijah Hughes had a big game on Wednesday as he forced the game into overtime. Those second-year players, third-year players in in Jarrell's case, they're playing well, and they're showing what they need to show in Vegas Summer League. That's the thing. If you're an NBA-level player, you have to show that you have those NBA qualities in this competition. Sometimes it could be ragtag. Sometimes it could be organized. You have to rise above the fray and make sure there's standout moments for you. And that's exactly what Trent Forrest has done. He's been impressive, earns a two-way deal this week, and he's going to have an opportunity with the big club to keep going. I was trying to think, you know, before I talked to him, who's a player that he could model his career around? Who can he be to stick around the league? Because he has great size at 6'4", he has clear command of the game in those 30 games that he played last season. He was making the correct decisions. He can command a floor, run a club. But if he shoots the three, I think he could be Kent Bazemore. Bazemore's playing on winning teams. Going to be on the Lakers next season. And the reason he's sticking around is because he's a career mid-30s three-point shooter. Trent Forrest doesn't have a busted shot. But if there's one area where he can separate himself, three-point shooting. Yeah, you know, I remember a couple of summer leagues ago when I was here covering the team for the radio station, George Niang was asked, hey, do you think you're an NBA player? Classic George. The man scoffs. And then he says, if I don't believe it, how are they supposed to believe it? And he did what he needed to do. Go in the corner, shoot the three. Defensively, don't be a liability. That's George Niang's prescription for getting another contract going to Philadelphia, where I'm sure he'll find success. And that's the exact mentality that Trent Forrest brings in the way that he plays. Believes himself to be to this level, and he really has been the standout of Summer League for the Jazz. Commanded. Salt Lake Summer League. And we talked on Tuesday, so we don't get to it, but that Wednesday game, he wins on the walk-off Dame free throw. That's a player that gets it. He's very confident when he goes on the floor. He's got great vets around him. So that's what we talk about. His standout, how he's playing, who he goes to for advice on the team, and his relationship with Udoka Azubuki, who is also being a terror at this summer league. He's just so huge. Affecting every shot. Doing everything. They have a relationship going back to Florida. So we talk about that. And how Florida State is balling out. Getting guys to the league. Where does that start? I asked Trent. We just gotta. But before that. Five stars, nice reviews. That's all I ask of you. Find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher. Everywhere you get your podcasts. Just search Round Ball Roundup, utahjazz.com. 
I will get to more free agency stuff as Jazz makes some moves. Hassan Whiteside, Eric Paschal, Rudy Gay. If you want a quick take, big opportunity for versatility with that group. Rudy Gay can play small ball five. Hassan Whiteside has rim protection that you could provide for 48 minutes if you stay big. And then Eric Paschal can be in those swing roles. Offer more wing depth. What this team needed. Ultimately, it's not about those wins in the regular season. It's about being better prepared for the playoffs in what what different looks you can give teams. And those moves seem to be down that trend. But we'll get into it more because we're live here at Summer League. I want you to hear from Trent. Bright dude. Happy to see him have this success. And... Please hold on to that Trent Forrest stock because he has a bright future. Please enjoy Trent Forrest. So far, it's been good. Um, So can't really complain there. We got our first win yesterday, so that was fun. Um, I guess what I wish I would have known coming into Summer League I guess how to kind of just get around Vegas, I guess, in a certain sense. It's Have you gotten lost? Um, Not yet. I went to CVS, but I took JB with me, so I kind of asked some of our older guys kind of where things were. So I definitely probably would say just trying to get around and get into the gym to go see my friends, play just things like that. So that's probably what I would say. I wish I would have known coming out here. And you guys got some people out here. Not only you mentioned before we started recording Saban Lee, but Florida State. Yeah. That place is a factory. Yeah. (laughs) With all the guys that you got. No, we do. It's like nine or ten guys out here right now. So um, we actually had a dinner last night. And, I mean, it was just fun seeing all of the guys. But we, we really do have somebody almost, I wouldn't say on every team, but it's quite a f- few of us out here. And especially the last couple drafts, Patrick Williams, yeah. Devin Vassell, uh, Jonathan Isaac, yeah. if you're going a little deeper. Yeah. And that guy has blown up uh, tremendously. Put us at that dinner. What what was it like? Uh, how was that? Um, It was great. Um, I mean, just reminiscent honestly just about all of us being at Florida State at one point in time and now just seeing us all in the NBA because um, I mean when we were in college it was kind of still a dream for us to be here so now I mean it's just fun to see everybody where we talked about being so um, I mean that's really all the dinner was just a lot of catching up some of us I mean haven't seen each other in years just kind of going our own ways, but just to kind of get back and get around each other was was really good. Do you miss it? No, I definitely do. College was fun. Um, I mean, it, it's definitely different a little bit in a sense from the NBA, but um, I mean, I feel like in college you come kind of closer to those guys because you're with them for a certain period of time. Um, so, no, nah, it, it definitely – gives you a feeling of just like missing college, missing your coaches, missing the times you have with your teammates. So sometimes I definitely do miss it. What is it about that place that has produced so many pros? Because Leonard Hamilton is such yeah. a stellar coach <laughs> that has been bringing things up. Yeah, um, I would say probably because he, he runs a similar style to what the NBA is today. 
Um, so he puts his players in positions to where they can succeed, and it's going to be the same positions they're going to be put in at the next level. Um, and, I mean, it starts obviously with him on defense is what he preaches and what he's known for. So, I mean, you know coming out of Florida State, you're going to be able to defend at a high level, which is kind of going to help you get on the floor quicker than most players when you get to the next level. And then you're, you're going to be already accustomed to a pro-style offense. So, I mean, you're, you're going to know the concepts and the reason, things like that. So I feel like that's a big part of why he's able to kind of produce so many pros. What is the basketball level in that conference, the ACC? I went to Syracuse, so I know yeah. a little bit of, of what, <laughs> just watching it uh, yeah. from my perspective. But ACC, playing in that conference, so many good teams. Yeah, no, it's it's crazy. Um, one of our assistant coaches, he would always say it's basically one step under the NBA, um, mm -hmm. the ACC is, because, I mean, like you said, you got Syracuse, you got Duke, Louisville, NC State, Virginia, these are teams that's like legendary in college. So, I mean, it's every night you're playing basically one of the most historical colleges in basketball. So you have to you have to bring it every night. And even sometimes people kind of get the ACC, I guess, messed up because they think like the lower teams aren't that good either. But every night you really have to come to play every night because you can't really lose to any team in the ACC. <laughs> well, Pitt for Syracuse was just yeah. always beating them. With Jamie Dixon, yeah. and they would just destroy them every single yeah. time, whether it was the Carry Dome over there. Yeah, no, I have some Pitt stories, too. We struggled with them as well. <laughs> we struggled with them as well. So, nah, it's crazy. It really is crazy. Who were you? Coming out of Chipley, I mean, basically, you know, hometown, yeah. hometown guy going to Florida State. Who are you going in to where you became someone who would go on to play in the NBA? What is the difference between that guy that went into Florida State to who came out? Um, the guy that went in was just shy, a little nervous, kind of was just throwing himself out there and just, I mean, trying to see what could happen. Um. I mean, I always knew I wanted to play in the NBA and things like that. So, I mean, just going into college, I kind of just did what I was used to doing, just working out all the time as much as I could, and then kind of just living with the results. And then the guy coming out was just a guy that was way more confident in himself, um, knew how to play the game, and knew he could play at this level. So I feel like that's definitely probably – who I was coming into college and then who I was coming out of it. How is the draft process? Obviously you went undrafted, yeah. but still having to go through that during the pandemic and, and yeah. trying to keep yourself ready for a draft that would happen later than it yeah. would originally happen. You had to wait you yeah. had to wait a long time for your big NBA yeah. call. Um no, nah, it was definitely very different. Um because we had our season cut in like yeah. March, April, and then after that, it was kind of like, what's next? So, I mean, like you said, our draft wasn't until, like, November. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so it was just, I mean, finding the best way to stay in shape, just to continue to work out. Um, so it was like a longer process. We, we started interviews probably, like, around June, July. Um, so went through that. And then just, I mean, with COVID, you're just trying to stay safe as much as you could because you didn't really want to mess anything up. So 
it, it was definitely different in a, a weird type process. And you weren't able to have a summer league yeah. before the season. You jump in and you're with an NBA club and you're sitting next to, oh, just Mike Conley, yeah. Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, yeah. established guards. That first year, what's that first day like for you? What do you do to try to get yourself in the locker room and integrate with a, a team that has veterans yeah. already? Um. Just for me, I wanted to come in and learn as much as I could. Um, so my first couple of days, I would just try to show up as early as possible, just kind of see the routine of the older guys, um, seeing when they were getting to the gym, just seeing the things that they were doing and asking a lot of questions. Um, I feel like that's kind of what helped me. Um, I had older vets technically with Mike and Don, just guys at my position. So. I mean, I was able to learn from probably two of the best guards in the league. Um, so that was really what it was for me, was just coming in, learning as much as I could, honestly. And then towards the end, you start playing more. You're getting yeah. you know, 14, 15, 20 minutes here and there. Uh, how do you keep yourself focused when you aren't having that playing time to where you are? Yeah, um, I mean, it's just a part of it. I feel like um, once you get to this level, um, and honestly, going back to Florida State helped me a lot, too, as well with that, just because when I got there my freshman year, um, I mean, we had kind of the same dynamic where we had older players, guys that had specific roles, and kind of like our freshman class, we kind of just kind of got in here and there, might play, might not play. But our coaches just did a good job of helping us understand, like, I mean, you, you have a specific role on your team, whether you're playing all the minutes or no minutes, like you have a role. So I feel like that's kind of just how I stay focused during those times is you never know and just know that your role is going to be different every night. Well, I mean, you're a significant contributor on one of the best teams in college basketball, but they still platoon. Yeah. You guys you guys still <laughs> sub out. Yeah. So what are you doing when you're on the bench? How are you staying focused? What are you focusing on before you get in? Yeah, Um so I, in college, at the, when we were kind of doing that system, yeah, we would have some of our walk-on guys. They were kind of like our responsibility buddies or partners. So once we would go in and once we would come out, we would go to one of the walk-ons, and they would kind of tell us what they seen, what the other team is doing, what we should be doing better. So that's how I honestly stayed focused is because I could go talk to them and they could kind of tell me stuff I maybe wasn't seeing during the game. So then once I did go back in, I, I knew kind of what to look for. And I mean, kind of the same thing here. Um, I mean, I'll talk to JB or Doak or, I mean, even if I'm not playing, I might act, tell the vets kind of maybe something they might need to see on a play or something. So I feel like that's kind of what keeps me focused and locked into the game. How do you, How do you make sure that when you're asking questions not being annoying, you're not encroaching yeah. on somebody, and like threading that needle of having a vet asking them questions but not annoying them yeah. in the process. Um, I mean, kind of you got to know the time and place for it yep. and kind of know the person as well. Um, I mean, like a guy maybe like Mike, I probably wouldn't ask him anything during a timeout or something mm -hmm. like that. Maybe once he comes to the bench and kind of relaxes, um, catching his breath. Um, so just kind of things like that, just knowing the person. You don't want to 
be the guy that's soon as he comes off the bench, like right in his face, asking all these questions or anything like that. So, um, yeah, no, nah, I just try to play it as kind of time and place and just understanding kind of how the person works. Who are the coaches that you were working with during the season? Um, I work with Lamar and Keon. So I work with both of those coaches. And Keon always just a downer. Yeah. He's so he's so not positive. No, of course. He's he's awesome. Yeah, every, no, he every is. single day. He is. No, Keon is great. And he's from Florida too, so um that kind of gave us a connection as soon as I got out here. But nah, Keon is I mean, very positive person. He always gonna uplift you and I mean he's gonna get the best out of you for sure. What are they <laughs> focusing with you trying to develop your game as mm-hmm. you head into year two? Um, for me, it's just been um, with both of those guys, a lot of shooting, but also like a lot of rhythm training, um, just getting into different moves, being playing at different paces where I'm at certain spots on the floor. So I would say that's probably been the biggest things that I've been working with with them. Pace is something that during this summer league you've looked exceptional about mm. uh, in controlling the game. Uh, being the person where the hub of the action is at. How'd that come to you? How are you feeling it uh, mm-hmm. during this uh, summer league as you go from Salt Lake here to Vegas? Yeah. Um, I mean, I feel like definitely a lot of it has been what we've been working on. So it's, I mean, the same reads that I was getting when we were working out is the same reads I'm kind of getting now. So, I mean, they were able to put me in the situations I would be in now, which is, I mean, obviously making it a little easier and I'm more comfortable in these spots. So um, I feel like going from Salt Lake to even now, um, I just have a good understanding of how to play with the right pace in these situations. And, I mean, it's helping us get good looks. So um, that's really what I would contribute it to is just being able to work on those situations with Keon and Lamar. So it's been helping me a lot. Last thing I want to hit on before we let you go, because your time is valuable, but Doak, uh, your connection with Doak yeah. uh, from playing with him as a kid. He he was in Jacksonville, yeah. if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Uh, where did that relationship start? How, how cool is it that yeah. you two are now <laughs> on the same NBA club? No, nah, it's, it's very crazy. Um, me and Doak met in like eighth grade, I think, at like a basketball camp or something in Florida. And Jackson, where he was in Jacksonville, was only like two hours from Chipley. Um, So I met him in eighth grade. Um, I mean, obviously knew him basically during our time in high school. Um, And then he wanted me to come to Jacksonville to play high school ball with him, but I almost did, but I didn't end up going. I stayed in Chipley, but that same summer, we play AU together, um, and we were both were getting recruited by Florida State. I ended up committing to Florida State my junior year. So, I mean, I was always trying to get him to come to Florida State as well. And I mean, we had kind of that kind of relationship already where I could kind of talk to him, stuff like that. And then we play AU that summer, so we made a connection there on the court finally. And then um, – he obviously went to Kansas, and I went to Florida State, but we still stayed in touch. Like, I mean, if he had a good game, anything like that, I would just text him, whatever, kind of vice versa. And then the night of the draft, when he got drafted, um, I called him the night after – or that night when I found out I was coming to Utah as well, and I told him, like, I'll be out there too. And, I mean, we were both just kind of happy about it because we finally kind of got to play again, so it was fun.
is that some pinch yourself moment where you're like, yo, <laughs> how, how do we make it here? Yeah, nah, it definitely is. It definitely is because, I mean, like I said, we did play AAU, but it was like we – not that we were missing playing with each other, but kind of – like at the be playing with each other in the NBA is just crazy for us too. So crazy. Well, and how how much advantage is it to be playing with somebody who you played with before on a team, and now you know exactly yeah. what they're gonna do, <laughs> what their moves are yeah. when you're playing in a summer league game here? Nah, it's I mean it's a big advantage honestly because I mean a lot of people in summer league they're playing with each other for the first time. Yeah. And I mean me and Dope we go way back I mean have years of experience playing with each other so I mean just to have that connection with him it, it does make the game a lot easier <laughs> what kind of game is he gonna have coming into his his year too what do you expect um I, I think Doke is gonna be very good I feel like he's been showing kind of what he can do through the Salt Lake Summer League and even our first game yesterday um I mean even though like he didn't feel like he had a good game offensively yesterday but I mean, he was contesting and blocking a lot of shots. And then in Salt Lake, he was catching lobs. I mean, running the floor, doing all type of stuff. So I definitely feel like he's going to have a big year this year. All right, let's end this on advice for Hoopers that would be listening to this podcast. How would you get to where you are now where you're playing on an NBA club? What advice would you give somebody? Um, you definitely have to work very, extremely hard, extremely hard. Um I mean, you have to stay in the gym. You have to stay in the weight room. Um, and I feel like if you just continue that, it, it'll definitely help you get to here. Um, I feel like that's especially what helped me coming from a small town because I really didn't have, like, an NBA player or anybody like that that had came from where I came from. So, I mean, I just always wanted to work out, always wanted to get in the gym. And, I mean – I did that in high school, I did it in college, and it helped me get here. So that's definitely probably what I would say. That's good advice, especially for someone who's coming up in Chipley. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. What kind of town is Chipley? Describe Chipley. Because we got Lisbon's own, yeah. you know, right? Everybody knows he's from a small town. But Chipley sounds pretty similar. What's yeah, it like? no, nah, Chipley is very small. It's probably like 3,000 people. Um, everybody knows everybody. Everybody knows everybody. Um, once some, if something happens, everybody in the city is probably gonna know. Probably within the hour, um, it's probably like eight to ten stoplights in the whole city of Chipley. Biggest store is Walmart. Where do you hang out? Uh, Waffle House after a high school football game on okay. Friday. All right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's, I mean, that's really about it. It's a small town, but they do love their sports. I can say that. They they love their sports in the city. So, but, I mean, yeah, it's not much to do. It's not much to do at all. <laughs> well, and now they have a player in the NBA, Trent they Forrest. They do. <laughs> Chipley Zone, Trent Forrest on Roundball Roundup on UtahJazz.com. Trent, thanks so much for taking yep, the time. Thank you so much.